Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. Yeah, sometimes we laugh and sometimes we cry, but I guess you know now, baby. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, Babe. live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 99 FM ESPN. Sometimes I have to bring somebody on that matches my energy when it comes to staying up till 10 p.m. watching Dorian Thompson-Robinson and uh, Kellen Mond go cook like it was last night when we watched the Browns versus the Eagles. Also, uh, my, my college football craziness, but Kyron Samuels is a guy that'll do that. Former Jacksonville State All-Conference offensive lineman, senior consultant and writer at Defiant Takes on Twitter at Kyron Samuels. Kyron, what's up, man? How are you? What's up, Gabe? Glad to be back on the show, man. Let's talk some ball. Yeah, for sure. Um, are you are you as insane as me, staying up till 11 p.m. watching uh, watching the backups of the backups, the third string quarterbacks yeah, go man. cook? <laughs> oh yeah, got to. Because you know we do this whole pre-draft process, and everybody finds their favorites. And the preseason is where you can kind of thump your chest a little bit and be like, "Look, I called that guy. I said he was going to be good. I said that guy was going to be good." So. I'm watching all the way to the end of the game. Yeah, no question. I, I did get a kick out of Cade York, though. Cade York last night posting oh, at man. halftime that he made a made a field goal, then had two chances to go win the game and, and couldn't get either one through. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's, that's what preseason's right for, man. Come on. Yeah. you got to love it. <laughs> yes, sir, man. I'm, I'm really nervous for the Browns as a whole, but that's a conversation for right. today. Well, no, it's a conversation for right now. Let's get into it right now. You're nervous about them. Uh, I, I, well, yeah. I I mean, defensively, I have my questions about them. Offensively, I know they're going to have a decent run game. If Deshaun Watson shows what he was, at least 90% of what he was with the Texans, I feel okay about that offense. But what makes you most nervous about the Browns heading into this season? Uh, Number one, the offensive line health. I mean, they've been one of the better offensive lines over the NFL for, I would say, the last five, six years. Um, With the quarter they have, Joel Batonio, uh, Jack Conklin, uh, Wyatt Teller, those guys, they're really, really solid and they're really stable. But they haven't been very healthy. So, right. uh, you know, the offense will go as they go. And then we look at the, the running back depth. They've had, you know, a bevy of running backs over the course of the years. They've had, uh, outside of Nick Chubb, who's obviously one of the better running backs in the NFL, um, you had Kareem Hunt there, even guys like Deonis Johnson, and those guys that have filled in and given you depth in those positions. They don't necessarily have that right now. So they don't have a proven number two at running back, which is a little worrisome because uh, we know how volatile the running back position is in the NFL. So if something were to happen to Nick Chubb, uh, I would be very, very nervous about the offense and how it can be balanced. And that's all what Stefanski is about, is about balance. The running game and then building off the running game to the pass game. And, uh, 
I, I know a lot of people really like Njoku, but I'm not still 100% right. sold on Njoku. I don't love the tight end depth as well. So my biggest concern is essentially depth. Um, and I think that, you know, we'll, we'll get to see them play out over the course of the season. And they, they have a lot of young guys. And, uh, they made some really good additions on the defense. I'm not as concerned about their defensive depth. Um, maybe they're high-end guys that can really put them over the top. But I think they'll be better defensively. I'm just a little bit worried about the depth offensively. And, and what was interesting, you made a point yesterday about Austin Watkins Jr. I don't know if you made it directly about him, but you made it about the XFL and USFL guys getting inserted into uh, – into the preseason and having success. Uh, usually, like people think, when you play a whole lot of ball, um, that your injury, uh, your durability is going to go down, and you, and you may struggle if you have to play that much uh, ball in one one calendar year. But it seems like these USFL and these XFL guys are, are sort of turning it up because they've played a lot lately. Oh yeah, absolutely, and you know continuously doing that would be almost impossible to do. Right. But there's been, you know, a month or two since they've had, you know, the season. Um, Birmingham Stallion finished up, I believe, at the end of June. And, it's, you know, it's going on halfway through August and almost September now. So they've had a little bit of break to kind of spill, you know, just the physicality of it. But they've been sharp. They've been in more shape. Um, they've been getting a hit. So, you know, taking those hits and being able to deal with the grind and the physicality of going to practice every day, even just mentally, like you've just been doing it. So you're just in it. So I think those guys have done a great job just implementing themselves. And it's not as easy as it may look for those guys. You still have to learn a new system, right? You still have to learn a new system, the terminology, and, uh, you know, find your role for the team. But just physically, I think it's been a, a big benefit to those guys that they've been able to grind through the spring and now they get their chance and they're ready and prepared for their chance as opposed to having to fine-tune and catch up. Uh, to, to the other guys. And Austin Watkins Jr. had seven receptions, 139 and a TD yesterday for the Browns. I believe he was a showboat's wave at the beginning of the year, right? And then he was right. he was I with the Stallions that. after that? That's that's interesting. Yes, sir, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, UAB got too, so he's a G-Bow Yeah, guy, of but, course. Um, they got to grind his way up, and I, and I thought he was you know very good. He, I, I'm not 100% sure, but uh, Larry Smith, who was my coach at Jacksonville State. Yeah, he's here now. Coach, he was coaching that guy. Yep. He was coaching that guy at UAB. He spoke nothing but highly of that guy. Um, now he's a Memphis wide receiver coach, but he spoke nothing but uh, very highly of that guy and always talked about how hard he works. So it's not a surprise to me to see it paying off and he's actually, you know, taking uh, advantage of his opportunities. Now, I want to I talk about Larry Smith and Malik Feaster, some guys you're very familiar with that are they're here in Memphis. But, but before that, yes, the opponent for the Browns last night, the Eagles, I, I have them at the top of the NFC. It's hard not to put them at the top of the NFC. Howie Roseman's been cooking. I mean, just considering what they did in this, this offseason uh, in the draft, they ended up trading um, for uh, DeAndre Swift. They have... Uh, uh, Jalen Carter let him fall to nine. They got Nolan Smith. Like they're just ridiculous. It's 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 insane how loaded they are, and it's insane what the rest of the NFL has allowed them to get away with. But in the NFC, it's thin this year. Like it really is. Outside of the Eagles, who are you really buying? Like truly buying outside of the Eagles? Uh, I mean, there's probably about three teams that I take very seriously: the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Forty Nineers. Yep. And I'm kind of hesitant. I really, really like what Seattle has up there. Same. But I'm just, I haven't seen it yet. I, I just I just haven't seen enough. They made the playoffs last year. Uh, they, they gave the 49ers a very good run for their money in that first half and then ended up falling off because, you know, the depth and not having necessarily the high-end talent um, to match the 49ers. But, you know, the, the NFL is too volatile. Divisions change too fast. Uh, one player here, one player there, one quarterback here, one quarterback there can change the entire makeup of the team. So uh, if we're talking about consistency, who I believe in right now, I think you hit the nail on the head. The Eagles have to be number one. I'm just going to go to the 49ers, number two, based off of history, and then the Cowboys. I think they're one of the more complete teams in the entire NFL. Uh, good enough to get it done. Is that good enough to get yep. them to a Super Bowl or NFC championship? 
That's the question, but they have the team that can, you know, it, they'll be there when it's time to make those decisions. I talked about this last week. Is Dak the most pressured quarterback? I mean, like when it comes down to quarterback with the weight of the world on their shoulders at this point, now adding Brandon Cooks, you still have that offensive line put together because Zach Martin agreed to come back on an $18 million per year contract. Uh, do, does Dak have the weight of the world on his shoulders this year? Like if he doesn't get it done this year, I mean, the, the story's going to be written, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think he has the hardest job in sports right now. I mean, when you look at, you know, this expectation, I mean, I've been alive for 29 years now. Uh, they haven't won a play. They haven't been to an NFC championship game right. since 1995. I mean, think about that. Born that year. So you were born. Okay, so listen. So since we were literally children, infants, they haven't been to an NFC championship game, let alone a Super Bowl. So he definitely has a target on his back. And, you know, listen, I'm not the biggest Zach Prescott fan. I think he puts the ball in harm's way a little bit too much. However, I will acknowledge that he is very, very good at what he does. You can do a lot worse than Dak Prescott. There's not a, that many guys in the NFL that you would take over a Dak Prescott. So, uh, and that, that's kind of like the hard part about it as well. He's really good, but is he good enough? I'm not sure. And you're at an organization where you well, have to be good enough. Otherwise, it's well, a failure. So, I feel like Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott has earned the respect that he deserves across the league. Uh, but it still may not be enough. Now, let, let me ask you this, because I think a lot of people are jumping on this bandwagon early, and, and Kyle Shanahan just said this guy would have to melt in practice to not start. That's Brock Purdy. Is he good enough? I know I know his weapons are good enough. I, I know that. I saw it last year. But he wasn't asked to do all that much. Now, granted, it, it worked in his favor. He had five starts. He was 5-0 and oh until he uh, got into the NFC Championship game and hurt himself or got himself hurt. Um, but is he good enough? Like, do, do, are, are you buying fully into the 49ers with him at quarterback? Oh, man, you know, it's, it's a very tough question because my, my gut tells me no, uh, my eyes tell me no, but they were in the NFC Championship game last year. Jimmy Garoppolo, a, a guy who I think is better than Brock Purdy, who, who's shown he has a little bit more than Brock Purdy, I believe, consistently, uh, they weren't able to get it done with a guy like that. And then you look at a, a team like, let's just use the, the Rams, for example. Uh, I think Jared Goff's a very good quarterback. I think he's better than both of the guys we just named. Yep. Uh, but they replace him. They go get a Matt Stafford, who obviously has a higher floor. We know what he does. Uh, he has a great arm. His, he has a pro bowl pedigree. But I wouldn't consider Matt Stafford uh, a top-tier elite quarterback. And then they win the Super Bowl year one with that guy. So I don't think he's good enough. I think maybe they have to upgrade the position, which is I think what they try to do with the Trey Lance hit <laughs> is just backfire. But um, – I think that they're good enough to get back to an NFC championship, get back to the second round of those NFC playoffs, and then uh, then it just really depends on the defense and how far they can carry them. And, uh, you know, that's a tough position to be in because they don't really have a ton of assets. They don't have a ton of money. They're kind of stuck with what they have. So it'll be interesting to see how that quarterback position plays out for the 49ers. Talking with Kyron Samuel, senior consultant and writer at Defiant Takes. Also, former Jacksonville State University all-conference Offensive lineman. He is a group of five college football savant. Let me ask you about Jacksonville State and Conference USA. You got my man Rich Rod. Are you are you bought in to what what's happened at Jacksonville oh, State? Oh man, I love it. I, I love the mentality that he's brought to the university as a whole, not just the football program, but you know we had a, a very good coach. You know, Coach John Gross, awesome guy. I mean, I believe he won six conference championships uh, in the nine years that he was the head coach. Former JSU guy, um, former uh, Cleburne County guy from around this area. Uh, so he was a very, like, homey guy. He was very right. nice. Everybody loved him. He was sweet. 
Rick Ross is a whole different animal. He comes in, he's more demonstrative, he's more uh, boisterous, he's just loud. He's like, listen, this is how it's going to get done. He's more demanding. And I think that culture shift was needed, especially with the transition to Division One FBS. You know, we've been an FBS program, been a very good one for a very long time. Um, over the last 20 years, we've won 10 conference championships. We've been to the, at least the quarterfinals of the FBS playoffs eight times. Uh, we've been to two national championships as an FBS program in that 20-year span. So we've been a very good program, and I think this move has been long overdue to move up to the FBS, and I couldn't think of a better guy to lead us into to the FBS than a guy like Rich Rod who has the experience um, and just the demeanor that he has. But you're still OVC-made, right? You'll never forget the OVC. Oh, man, listen, always OVC-made. It's not the job we're in, another fellow OVC <laughs> yeah, guy. Yeah, sir. Birthday guy. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, um, being that you are that group of five college football savants, sometimes we get into an echo chamber here in Memphis, and, and quite frankly – uh, going into year four with Ryan Silverfield, it was eight and three year one. People were still somewhat happy, but six and six, three and five in conference the last two regular seasons. Folks here aren't aren't very enthused about the season. Like from the outside looking in, when you look at Memphis football, what do you think? I think Memphis. I would love to say they underachieved last year, but I'm not 100 percent sure that's the case. Uh, I think they have a very good team, a very good offense. So they're they're very explosive. Uh, Seth Pennington, a quarterback, I mean, he threw for uh, 3,500 yards last year. I mean, they're very good offensively. And I'm just going through the schedule looking at their games. I remember, the, I'll never forget that uh, SMU game. I believe I was streaming that game live yep. on playback when that happened. I mean, they had so many close games. The UCF game. The Houston I mean, the game was insane. Game. I think you were doing that on playback as well. The 33-32, right. whatever point comeback yes, in the fourth sir. quarter. Yes, sir. I was doing that game as well. So they had a lot of close losses. I mean, they're a couple of plays away from uh, you know a nine and three regular season, maybe even a ten and two regular season. So, uh, would you say they underachieved, or they just need to round out you know the final inches and get better? I don't know, but I do know that I do like the addition that they made in the portal. I mean, they added some some guys that should be immediate impact guys, especially at the wide receiver, the skill position. So, I'm excited to see them this year, and if they can you know fix those uh, minor details, and you know they they were in control of a lot of those games and just finish those games. I don't know what needs to change, maybe in mentality, maybe being a little bit better shape. I think they were a little bit tired at the end of the game um, last year, and I think that come back to bite them a little bit. But I think that they have enough to be very competitive in, you know, in the AAC. And who knows, are, are, are you still – that's a different conversation, but you still think they should be in the AAC or should be you know, looking yeah, to go somewhere else? I, 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 they've been looking to go somewhere else for a long time, but they seem to miss out on the party every single time. It's, it's frustrating. Right. It's, 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 it's very bizarre how, how realignment works. It's more about – the size of the TV market, not people actually tuning into the TV sets. Which, I mean, when you look right. at Memphis since t- 2014, in the AAC, they were at the top. I mean, they were, they were very close right. to the top right there around Cincinnati and UCF in regards to people actually tuning into their games on ESPN. All right, so it doesn't make a lot of sense. I, I mean, especially when you look at Memphis as a whole, they have a very good athletic program all around. It's yeah. not just you know, the football team. So, uh, oh, yeah, I mean, Penny, I'll, listen, I'm a Penny guy. I yep. think people have been too hard on him. And a lot of that, listen, I won't say that he hadn't brought a lot of that on himself because he has. Uh, but what he's done at the beginning of his career here, I think it's pretty impressive. People forget the guy doesn't have like a serious coaching pedigree. He's low-key just starting out as a head coach. Yep. So it's pretty impressive what he's done. He And he's learned a lot, and this offseason has shown a lot too as far as all the oh, yeah. portal portal additions he's brought in. But uh, speaking of a portal addition on the football side, a guy you're very familiar with, you actually brought him to my attention before he committed to the University of Memphis, Malik Feaster. He's a guy that, that is likely going to be, uh, if not starting, very much in the rotation for this secondary this year. What do you think about Malik Feaster? When you when you brought him up to me, obviously he transferred to Florida State, didn't get a, lot, a whole lot of run there. Uh, but at Jackson 
Jacksonville State. He was unbelievable. Seems to be relatively long. He's Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Athletic, and and so far from what I'm hearing in camp, he is he is very good in man coverage um, thus far. But what do you think about Malik Feaster? Oh, man, I love Malik. He's, first of all, he's a great guy. You yep. know, just knowing him a little bit, I'm not like you know the best friends with the guy. I'm a little bit older than him and all that. But being around him and then talking to the coaches, uh, Coach Sigler, he's like you know a, a family member to me. I'm so close to Coach Sig. Spoke nothing but praises of the guy, and that said everything that I needed to hear about him. Then that matches with the play on the field. Like you said, he's very long, very rangy, uh, very good with his hands, and not too handsy. He doesn't get a lot of penalties. Uh, very athletic. You know, he's a six foot guy, legit six foot, one ninety at corner. Um, I think he's going to be a very good guy because he's so experienced. You know, he had some injuries at Florida State and wasn't able to crack the rotation. Very difficult to crack the rotation healthy there, let alone injured. But I think this is a perfect restart for him. He has one more year left, and I think he's going to go and, and, and make a difference at a place that needs it, especially at that position. So, Malik Feaster is going to be a great addition to that room, and I'm excited to see him play because I think he's going to get his hands on the football a lot this year. What, what do you make of all this realignment, by the way? I mean, I, we talked about Memphis not getting in, <laughs> but, I mean, we, we have a, the Big 12 completely filled out. The Pac-12 seems to be relying on a- academic academia still, and it's just strange to me that they, they have latched onto that. And it's been death by a thousand paper cuts, and then a, they got stabbed in the heart you know, a couple weeks ago with six teams defecting. Um, but, but what have you made of all of this? Like, does, it, does it make the product better for you? You know, I, I will try to defer on answering that completely because okay. I don't know. Initially, I was very very upset. You know, I'm a very traditional guy. I grew up loving college football. I still love college football more than I love the NFL. And the tradition and, you know, the rivalries and the regionality makes college football uh, college football. That's why we love it. So it it was very, you know, hard for me to accept it at first. But the more I sit back and, you know, think about it, I'm like, listen, okay, this is what we have to accept. It's happening. Whether we want it to happen or not, the money is more important. That's been proven time and time again. So I'm kind of looking at it like we're going to get bowl games every week during the regular season now. That's kind of right. how I'm looking at it. When the realignment happens, uh, you're going to get Texas at, at LSU. You're going to get Alabama at Oklahoma. You're going to get USC at Michigan. You know, those type of matchups. So I'm kind of just viewing it like we're going to get a lot of bowl games during the regular season. And with the expanded playoffs, you're going to see all well, these teams match up two or three times a year. So it, it could be a situation with conference games where, you know, we see a team like Alabama and Georgia play two or three times a year. It could be something crazy mm-hmm. like that. So. I'm all for the chaos now. I mean, there's no stopping it. And yep. as much as I love the tradition, I think the college football is going to be better at the end of the day. And I'm just going to try to accept it and roll with it. And, and you brought up the expanded playoff, 12-team playoff. Uh, now that the Pac-12 is basically gone, for lack of a better term. And, and I, I wouldn't imagine that the rest of the power conferences would want them to have an AQ anymore. Um, do you think this is going to be the top 12 teams fighting it out, where, where we don't really have the access for the group of five? You know, that's a very difficult Because uh, it feels like the, the, the Big Ten, Tony Petiti and Greg Sankey are going to ask for that. <laughs> I mean, they, we're, we're not yeah, far off from them making that happen. They're going to ask for it, and I don't know if there's much the smaller conference can do about it. Uh, but I do know that things like Tulane winning that Sugar Bowl, excuse me, that Cotton Bowl against USC, is great for the argument. You need more like that. Uh, App State going into uh, College Station and beating the Texas A&M, yep. it's great. When we have, whenever they have those conversations, 
uh, when they sit in front of these people um, that are making these decisions, you need those types of wins to be able to like thump your chest and like say, look, we can't compete with these guys. And history tells you that, especially in a bowl game situation or one off where you get you know two or three weeks to prepare for those guys, um, you're going to play on a neutral field somewhere. Those teams have competed when they have those opportunities. So I think you know we are heading towards that 12 automatic. I mean, excuse me, the 12 best teams that the committee selects. But I think it would be a disgrace if a team like you know UCF or if yeah. Memphis goes 11 and one one year, or you know SMU goes 11 and one one year, and they can't get those opportunities. <laughs> Uh, that they've been accustomed to getting, especially like the Cincinnati that proves that they can compete. Uh, the two lanes, like the, you just said, those teams deserve those shots to get in there and compete, it, especially when you're going to expand it, because that's the whole point of it. Well, I, the point of expansion to me is I feel like the Big Ten and the SEC looked at it and they said, okay, there's going to be a lot more money on the table with all these more meaningful games with a 12-team playoff. But at the same time, if we're making all that money, you know what, Group of Five, you can have one spot. That's that's fine. You can have that one slot. We'll give it to you. But I feel like I, I, I just – I. Something tells me where we're headed, it, it, it's not going to be that way. And I, 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 you and I have agreed on this. I, I, I think I like it a lot less than you. But it feels like sort of a, a have and have nots break off will come at some point in the future. I don't know if that's 15 to 20 years from now, 10 years from now. But I feel like uh, heading down the path of letting those top 12 teams fight it out regardless of conference, basically making them all at large. I feel like that might expedite the process. Oh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you, man. Listen, uh, I don't know if I like it as much as I let on. I'm just trying to yeah, accept right. the fact that it's here. You're accepting it. You're it. accepting it more yeah, than I'm me. That, that's probably the better it. way to put it. Right. You know, but the thing that I will say that I think it's the more, like the bigger story here is that I don't think it changes the end result at all. So, yeah. You know, is it worth it? I mean, listen, we all know the TV revenue is probably the most important thing here. Um, and that the TV numbers are probably be astronomical and they're going to get their money at the end of the day. And that's all that matters. Uh, but I think we'll see the same, you know, five or six teams in contention. The recruiting rankings haven't changed much. Yep. The top coaches are still going to the top program. And I think at the end of the, the whole playoff situation, the realignment situation, it'll be the same teams compete for championships at the end of the day. Um, now, you, uh, your, your, your uncle went to Alabama, Chris Samuels, legend there. But Alabama this year, from a roster standpoint, from an OCDC standpoint, they've had to rebuild everything for the most part. In the coaches poll, they were number three. In the AP poll, they're number four. Now, I tend to have some issue with that. Um, But without using the name Nick Saban, can you make a strong case for why they should be top five based on their roster? Uh, I think their experience on the defensive and offensive lines is probably the most important reason. I think talent-wise, they're still one of the three to five best programs in the country, absolutely. Um, but, you know, the quarterback position is the most uh, demanded position yep. in the sport, and it's every, what everybody's going to be focused on. And I think it's like, it's almost counterintuitive, but I'm telling people, everybody that asks me about it, like, don't worry about a quarterback right now. It's not important. It, 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 it's week one. You need to go in there and run the football, establish the defense, and I think Kevin Steele, while people may have their, you know, comments about him and his play calling and uh, his scheme. He's coming there to run saving scheme. He's just a mouthpiece. And I think there aren't many better mouthpieces in, in terms of understanding the system, understanding coach saving, understanding what the process demands and being demanding than a Kevin Steele. So I think the identity of the defense is going to change. It's going to be a lot more physical. You're going to see a lot more four down. You're not going to see Dallas Turner and Will Anderson, right. those type of athletes dropping back in zone coverage. Right. And covering, Going to you know, the flat. Yeah. Flop. 
Right. So <laughs> you're going to see a more traditional style of football on both sides of football. I think that's what Tommy Reese is good at, is balance. So I think when you, when you take into account, they have very good trenches on both sides of the ball. And not just guys that we need to project, oh, this guy may be good. We know they're really good. We know Dallas Turner is the top 15 to 20 draft pick. Uh, Joaquin Otis is going into his true sophomore year. He's one of the better interior defensive linemen in the country. Uh, they have Dexon guys like Tim Smith in the interior. And then you get to the other, and Chris Braswell is a guy who hasn't been able to get on the field a ton because of Will Anderson and Dallas Turner type. He's going to step into his role. Um, and then you have the young guys like uh, Keon Keel. He's a five-star mega prospect who I think is going to be uh, one of the better guys. He'll, I'm not saying he's going to be Will Anderson, but I think he's going to be of that caliber by the time uh, his career is over Alabama. He's there in that room now. You got the Caleb Downs in the, in the secondary. I just think they're too well-rounded as a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're going to be able to lean on those uh, well-rounded traits instead of Bryce go win a football game, defense get takeaways that we aren't getting this year. Uh, and, and I think the whole identity and the way they win is going to change. And I think that's why consider them being the top three to five team in the, in the NCAA right now. But right now, when you look at when you look at where they're rated in the AP, again number four and the coaches number three, a lot of that's Nick Saban, right? A lot of that's the guy oh, at the yeah. top. I mean, it's, it's Nick Saban, it's history. Um, I was talking to somebody today. Um, you know, Alabama has won at least 10 games for the last 15 seasons. They won at least 11 games <laughs> for the last 11 seasons. So that's why I think that they have a little bit more leeway than other programs. I think you're 100% correct there. And, like, if this was a Tennessee team or right. let's say if this was the Auburn team coming back, they'd probably be, like, eighth or seventh, somewhere around there. I do – I will give you – there is a saving tech that has to be accounted for here. Um, but I do think at the end of the day – Projecting what they have now with what they brought in, uh, especially via the portal and you know recruiting, I think they'll be there at the end of the season. So uh, it's going to be an interesting season for sure because all we know for sure is that Julian Sand is the five-star quarterback. He's the next guy in line. He's coming next season. So whoever yeah. gets that job, they don't have to. They, they not only have to just be good enough to win games, they have to be good enough to keep their job next year. You have to do something exceedingly exceptional to keep your job from a guy like that that's coming in behind you. So I'm going to be interested to see how they divvy up the quarterback responsibility. Well, how do you think it's going to go? I I, I heard Greg McElroy, and I've had him on the show before, um, but I heard Greg McElroy on ESPN talking about uh, Nick Saban and how much he hates turning the ball over. And Jalen Milrow, when he got in there last year, turned the ball over quite a bit. Um, Ty Simpson right. is is probably a little more steady in that regards, but Jalen Milrow is, is probably the more uh, naturally talented guy. How, how do you think this gets itself figured out? Is it Ty Simpson or Jalen Milrow? You know, I think it starts off with Jalen Milrow. Uh, yeah, he's got the experience. That people have, yes, he has the experience. Uh, he, he has the athleticism. He has to get out of jail free car. And I think that's something that is, is very necessary when you don't know what you have at quarterback, when you don't know uh, the system. The system's very new. Um, you have a very good offensive line up front. You're going to have great backs behind you. Um, to get out of jail free car with his athleticism, I think, is going to be very important. But even past that, I think people fail to realize that Todd Simpson has been there since January of 2020. Yeah. So he's been there for over, almost two years now. And him and Jalen Miller have been in constant competition since he arrived on campus in the spring. So it's not just like, oh, he's a new quarterback now. He's a new guy now. Like, no, they've been competing for almost two years now, and Jalen Milrow still seems to find himself a little bit out in front every time. So I think that I'm just going to go off history based mm-hmm. there, and I think that Jalen Milrow is going to find his way on the field, and who knows? You know Saban has a very short leash. He doesn't have long to figure it out. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think they're going to – Milrow starts week one. They, they go back and forth a little bit. Milrow starts against Texas, and if he stinks it up against Texas – we all know the table will pull the leash on you. You pull the leash on Jalen Hurts at yep. halftime of a national championship <laughs> game. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts was, I believe, 28-2 and two as a starter, uh, SEC Offensive Player of the Year. So we know Nick Saban's going to put the best people on the field that he has. 
Uh, I think right now that's Jalen Milrow based off of history. Yeah, and I'll say this. I think the, the responsibilities for that quarterback position are going to be completely down compared to what they have been the past couple of years, <laughs> or really the past four quarterbacks. I mean, they, they're going to run the ball a whole lot more, and, and we'll see how that goes. Now, um, do you project Alabama to win the West over LSU? LSU is nasty, man. Because I, 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 I think Brian Kelly, as much as was made about him and is fit at LSU, he is Mr. Consistency. Uh, Jaden Daniels came in from Arizona State and showed his worth, no question. I mean, he's at the top when we talk about quarterbacks in the SEC. Um, they, they, they're decent. Um, they have Malik Neighbors still on the outside, on the defensive side of the ball, Mason Smith. You have Harold Perkins, probably the best linebacker in the country. Like, do you expect Alabama to be able to get over top in the SEC West this year like they weren't able to do a year ago? You know, my preseason pick is Alabama so, because it's so hard to win at Brian Denny State. Yeah, um, they, they had some struggles last year, but all those games were on the road. And you know, it'd be different if uh, they went to LSU and they lost by 15, 20 points. So I could be like, okay, they might be the, the talent gap is too wide for me to consider them the favorites. Or if they went to you know Neyland Stadium and they lost to Tennessee by three touchdowns, I'd be a little bit more hesitant to, to lean on that pick. Uh, but they're losing, they're losing games literally on the last second, literally on the last play of the game. Um, so I think that, you know they have their tough games at home, which is going to benefit them. There's only been five defeats in the last 15 years <laughs> in Brian Denny Stadium, and you know three of those were Heisman Trophy winners, and I believe three of those teams also went on to win the national championship that year. So yep. the amount it takes to beat teams in Brian Denny Stadium, um, I still think that they're going to be the favorites because they have Tennessee at home, they have uh, they have excuse me LSU at home, they have Ole Miss at home, so they have all their tough games. The teams that are going to be coming in with firepower to match them or maybe exceed them, they're going to have to come and deal with that environment. Maybe it'll be a night game. Maybe it'll be a 2.30 game. You know, it'll be on uh, all the big networks, and the pressure's too big for those teams. But historically, I'm going to lean on them. But the game that I'm worried about most is going to College Station, Texas A&M. Yep. It's an incredibly hard environment, and I think that team's going to be a lot better. Man, and they were so, so close. The game half circle. So close uh, to losing last year. That was yes, sir. So, I think that that's the game that I'm most worried about because it's on the road. And historically, we look at Alabama over the last few years, they, they don't struggle on the road. But your best chance to beat them is at your home environment, and I think that's the team that can do it this year. But we'll see if uh, if Jimbo Fisher gets out of his own way and lets Bobby Petrino cook on oh, the I offensive side. To, I do have to tell you this, though. Excuse me, my bad. I didn't mean to I do have to tell you this, though. I think my hot take this year is I think three SEC teams make the playoffs. Re- I'm Whoa. not sure how I'm going to figure it out. Whoa, okay. All right. I think, because I think, I think LSU that would involve – I mean, I mean, that would involve He's Big Ten, Pac-12, ACC eating themselves alive, right? Yes, sir. I believe I believe that. Okay. Ohio so. State's 10 and 2, Michigan's 10 and 2, Penn State's 10 and 2. I think they vote for each other out, and Pac-12 always does. So I'm not even worried about that. Uh, Clemson's the hard one. I think Clemson's going to be actually a team to beat in the ACC instead of Florida State. So that'll be the one that I have to work itself out. But I do think LSU, Georgia, and Alabama are all going to finish the regular season with – 11, maybe 12 wins. I think Georgia goes undefeated <laughs> again. I think Alabama, LSU, probably both 11 and 1. Okay. Save the hottest take for last. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But, Kyron, appreciate it, man. Thanks for hopping on. No problem. Anytime, Gabe. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. We'll do it again soon. That's Kyron Samuels, former Jacksonville State All-Conference offensive lineman, and he's the senior consultant and writer at Defiant Takes, covers college football and NFL um, unbelievably. A, a savant. At, at sort of figuring out, and he knows ball. He absolutely knows ball, another offensive lineman. Now, we need to go ahead and grab a break. 
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.